and many world championships and many Olympic goals does Paul O'Donnell need to win to be the greatest sports person of all time in Ireland is there a number can we pick a number because he's going to do it OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB sports app OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar delighted to say Gregor Paul is back with us to talk about the developments in New Zealand rugby Gregor we were going to have you on earlier on in the week but we were waiting to see what happened with Ian Foster and now we know he is staying were you surprised? yep wee bit like all all uh Signs, evidence, um, journalistic endeavour was leading us to believe that pre pre the Ellis Park Test match last weekend, that the decision had already been made that that he was going to be moved on and uh, they were going to make a change at head coach, and then unbelievably they they win at Ellis Park, uh, and all of a sudden here we are and they've changed their minds and Ian Foster is the coach. Quite surprising. Didn't think that was going to happen. How important or otherwise is the beefed up role for Joe Schmidt in giving the New Zealand board confidence or like is that is that Foster's decision? How did that all come about and what does that feed into the decision making and what does it say about the decision that was made? Yeah, look, I think that's been a huge part of building confidence because if we look at the evidence here, um, you know, the All Blacks were sitting on five losses out of the last six test matches prior to Ellis Park. Um they, they weren't playing particularly well. In fact, they were playing very poorly. They didn't look like they knew what they were doing. They were lacking cohesion. They didn't look like they were going to beat um, the last two tests against Ireland. We all know they didn't look like they were ever in those games. They went to play in Montbella. Uh, didn't look like they were ever going to win that game. Their attack game was terrible. So you're looking at that going, well, look, clearly they're, they're, everything's broken here. Nothing's working out. And all of a sudden they produce this incredible performance at Ellis Park with no one saw it coming. And that, that's changed the whole dynamic. And I think there were a couple of really critical factors that, that have persuaded the board to stick w- with Ian Foster as head coach. One would be after the game, a handful of senior players, and here I'm talking Sam Whitelock, Sam Kane, Ardy Savia, Aaron Smith, looked the um, chief exec down the barrel type thing and said, you can't fire this guy. We've got all the belief in the world. He's the right guy to have us as coach. And that was a really compelling story that they told and they said, please keep him. Uh, and then when Ian Foster himself met with the board, he was able to tell them that he persuaded Joe, who has been, I think, a little bit reluctant to to jump in with both feet and to get into a kind of hands-on training ground role that's going to require him to travel with the team. He was really resistant that he didn't want to do it. But since the All Blacks got back from South Africa, Fozzie was obviously able to tell them, look, mate, I really need you to be my attack coach. I need you to commit. I need you to jump on board and be with us on the training ground. And once he got Joe to do that, that was probably the critical factor that persuaded the board that the whole makeup of the coaching team changed at that point because all of a sudden they had another uh, a guy that's been a head coach um, of, a, of a very good international team and who's been on the international circuit for a long time. And that was probably uh, the critical factor that made them think, actually, let's just see how this plays out for a wee bit longer because we've got a lot of faith in Joe 
being able to add something pretty dynamic to the attack game at the moment. Right, that's all very interesting. So it's not like the board kind of inflicted Schmidt as some kind of, uh, okay, this is our succession plan. If you don't take him, you can't keep your job. It was actually Foster who wanted it. Do, was was because if we think back to the, the bout of COVID in advance of the first test against Ireland, Schmidt was more centrally involved in the coaching that week than he had been up to that point. Had he still been uh, like in the tracksuit since then, or what? What kind of, was was he in South Africa, for example? No, like he didn't travel. Right, he didn't travel. And there's there's been a wee bit of confusion from the whole time about where Joe's going to end up. And I think when we talked about this back pre-first test um, we all thought Joe was going to be more involved than he was and that's what we were all believing he was heavily involved in the build up to that first test uh, at Eden Park but he and I think we all know this that he, he had a real reluctance to to jump into the track suit against Ireland he just didn't want to go there his loyalties were a wee bit split he felt that was the wrong thing to do and we could argue whether that's a the right thing or the wrong thing for him to have thought but he did he didn't want to do that and then he didn't we all thought he would commit harder after Ireland left and that he would go with the team to South Africa but no no change was made he stayed at home his role was to select the team and to be an analyst felt a wee bit weird he was doing it from afar uh, and then we all thought well that's going to be him he's he's had a check he should have gone on the plane if he was ever going to change he would have got on the plane in South Africa didn't do it so clearly, like we're all a little bit not confused, but we don't actually really know a lot about what's happened here, other than he has now changed his mind or he has now committed to being hands-on. And the process around how that happened, why it's happened, whether he's now thinking that he wants to, um, you know, one day um, assume command of the All Blacks and be a head coach again, couldn't tell you the answer to that. Maybe. But all we know is that somehow, some some way, Fozzie's been able to persuade him. Right. I need you a bit more involved. Like that is really interesting. The players staring down the barrel with the chief executive of New Zealand Rugby. They're obviously seeing something inside the camp that Ian Foster is doing that isn't manifesting itself on the pitch because the results have been bad. The players obviously think that those results are, are happening in spite of good coaching by Ian Foster. Yeah, look, maybe I'm a wee bit sceptical because as you know, like players have got a vested interest because he's the bloke picking them, so you got to be a wee bit careful about taking their testimony um, at face value. At times, I think that you know there's one or two of them. Uh, look, they probably smack me around for saying this, but there's one or two of them who I think are probably looking at um, the prospect of Scott Robertson coming in, the guy who's coaching the Crusaders, and a few of them will be thinking, Jeepers, if he comes in. Where does that leave me? I might not be in this team anymore. There could be an element of that. But I think the performance at Ellis Park would tell you that's probably not fair because I don't think you can play like that. And they and they dug their way out of, uh, of a giant hole there because they were ahead. And then they went behind with 10 minutes to go. Bowden Barrett was in the sin bin. With 14 men, they scored two tries at Ellis Park, which is unheard of to kind of dig dig a game out from there. And I don't think you could do that if you didn't believe in the coach and you didn't believe in the people around you. So I think there probably was a genuine, passionate attempt to say, we're not broken. We do believe in this guy. We really want you to give him a bit more time because we think with um, they've got a new forwards coach who's only just arrived as well. They made that change after Ireland were here. And they knew that Joe was probably coming in to be more hands-on. And they were probably saying, look, 
give it a bit more time because we think we're on the right track. Who was the attack coach responsible for the incredible performance at the weekend? <laughs> Good question. I mean, officially, Ian Foster was the attack coach. Okay. But I, I have a pretty strong suspicion that a lot of what we saw was Joe Schmidt from afar giving a look. He, where he's smart, and you'll know this way better than I would, his ability to analyze the opposition, see what they're doing, and then create a game plan that is pretty strongly predictive on what they're going to encounter and really cleverly built based on what he's already seen. Because where they were poor in Mombella, they were really strong at Ellis Park. So they looked at what South Africa did, they broke it down, they analyzed it, and they responded. And I've got a feeling that Joe played a pretty big hand in getting them to that point. Is there a chance Joe Schmidt is actually going to be an even better coach that's not a head coach uh, than he was a head coach? Given, like, as you talked uh, about there, his proficiency in opposition analysis, if he's allowed to go big on one area of the team as opposed to the overarching view that you need to have as, as a head coach, chances are you could have the best version of Joe Schmidt that we've seen on the international stage. Look, I think you might be right. Um We've seen that a wee bit. We've got Wayne Smith here in New Zealand, who's a kind of similar, brilliant rugby brain, but but not quite equipped or comfortable in that kind of head coaching role, the burden that comes with it, the responsibility, the media, the sponsorships that you've got to deal with. And I think Joe, I don't know, but I think Joe probably felt a wee bit overwhelmed with Ireland in the end, that the whole enormity of that role took too much of him away from the things that he's actually really, really good at, which is ask him to build an attack game and I think he could be brilliant at that and I think you're right I think being in the background not having to front the media not dealing with the public pressure not being frontline accountable I, I think there'll be a pretty special coach coming in with a lot of good ideas In the end Ireland became very predictable under Schmidt and uh, it just you know like any relationship it went stale after a period of time and there was nothing to spice it up in the end but at the start and both at the start at his time at Leinster and then his start at the time with Ireland he built systems of play that were irrepressible and he gave the players a confidence in their own ability by focusing on the skills first off but then also by focusing on these power plays like he was literally one of the most creative uh, minds in world rugby when it came to first phase ball and scoring off first phase ball and Ireland were still using his stuff uh, five, seven years after he had brought them the first time there's a, a try we scored uh, Leinster scored against Claremont that Ireland scored again five or seven years later from the same move that they pulled from the playbook it's the type of thing if you have the raw materials that New Zealand have that is unbelievably powerful and has massive potential yeah well, I, I remember the try that Ireland scored to beat the All Blacks in 2018, where they 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 went back against the lineout, went back down the blind side from a lineout, and um, you know that was all Joe. He he he'd seen something in in the MPC here in New Zealand. Somebody a team do that, and he thought I'm, I'll remember that. And look, that that's the crazy thing about him. He he he's also bringing a, a kind of look. Uh, the stories began to surface in Ireland, I believe this year and last year about, you know, wasn't the super happiest of camps under Joe because he's not a warm, fuzzy personality when he's the head coach. Um, and that that's probably the bit that I'm more interested in. Yeah, he's creative, he's innovative, he sees first-phase plays that are really clever. I get all that. But but what he's actually going to really bring for New Zealand, I think, is is quite a cold, analytical brain, He's gonna he's gonna put pressure on the guys at training. He's not gonna be a soft, cuddly guy that they cozy up to and have a, a warm, fuzzy chat with. 
And they actually need that right now. They need they need a factor that's gone missing since Steve Hansen went away as head coach, who was a real kind of force of nature piling into them all the time. And I think that's where Joe's value will actually be, uh, as well as all the other stuff, the creativity and the innovation. But but bringing an edge to the environment and giving uh, giving the players a sense of discomfort won't be a bad thing for the old blacks at the moment. That edge had reached its natural conclusion. You can only do that for so long with the Ireland camp. But again, I suppose at the start, is there a good cop already in the environment? Is Ian Foster that good cop and he's going to come in and be the bad cop and away we, away we go? It's like yeah. the perfect dynamic. Yeah. yeah, I think so. And I think that's the dynamic that they'll run. Uh, look, Ian's actually a genuinely likeable guy. He doesn't seem to have that... Um, ability to really get under players' skin and niggle away at them the way that Hansen used to. And I think Joe can do that. You're right, it's got a shelf life, but we're a year out from the World Cup. And I think a year of getting that rock under the beach towel uh, is what Joe will do. And I think that dynamic will work really well for the All Blacks at the moment. And they've missed it. They've had a, I wouldn't say they've had a soft environment, but they haven't had anyone... They had guys out of their depth, John Plumtree, um, Brad Moore, the two that have been let go. They they weren't able to put enough pressure on the system because they were floundering themselves. Joe won't be floundering. He'll be loving it. And, he, and he'll be pretty good at niggling a few players and making them feel uncomfortable. Uh, and Fosley will build them back up again. So I like that dynamic. It seems that in the space of a week, you would give New Zealand a markedly better chance at the World Cup next year. But maybe... There's still a risk factor here. I mean, you've got to remember, they're looking at, what, uh, one win in four against Ireland uh, and two and 50% against South Africa, who they're kind of destined to play one, one of them, uh, at least one of them at the World Cup. So, yeah, you kind of go, uh, they won at Ellis Park, so that surprised everyone. But there's also a wee bit of truth here as well, and it was the same like, when they beat Ireland at Eden Park, uh, Ireland made some unforced errors in that game and they opened the door a wee bit for the All Blacks. You drop a few balls, you don't get your wide, um, you don't get your, your, your back row to the ball quick enough in the wide parts of the game. New Zealand turn over and, and that game in part went away from Ireland in 15 minutes because New Zealand is still brilliant at taking uh, mistakes of the opposition and capitalising and scoring. Where they struggle is when they have to build and create the pressure all for themselves and, and the opposition don't give them anything. They've been quite poor at finding a way into the game. South Africa did the same thing that Ireland did at Ellis Park. They let them into the game. They made unforced errors. They didn't play particularly well. And, you know, New Zealand were able to capitalise quickly and settle. And when they get confident, when they get a wee bit of roll on the scoreboard, like they're, they're still deadly. Don't even, you know, like they're, they're still a brilliant team when it comes to that uh, pass and catch turnover rugby play against a broken defence. No one will catch them. But there is a truth there when you go to World Cup. How likely is it that Ireland or South Africa are going to give them that in into the game? It might happen, but that's not a good enough proposition. So I'd be a wee bit wary yet until we've seen the All Blacks actually break down a really good, accurate defensive team then we'll start to believe that they could win the World Cup. Uh, I guess irrespective of how well they play between now and then, if that happens to be against us, we will be having nightmares about Joe Schmidt being on the uh, the opposition <laughs> dressed in black instead of green. It's like, it is definitely our worst case scenario where we reach another quarter final, feeling good about ourselves and then it's Joe Schmidt standing against us at the end of the game going, I'm really sorry about that, lads. I, I mean, I know how much this means to you. That is our worst nightmare, Gregor. 
look, I, I and I understand that given your history, I I get all that. But look, at the moment, Ireland would be massive favourites to beat the All Blacks at the moment. Right now, they'd be the massive favourites. Joe, look, he he's got a reputation, he's got great ideas, but we need to see them implemented. And we need to see, and it's not just about Joe, look, there's a few issues that the All Blacks haven't dealt with. I think they've got one or two selection issues. They haven't they haven't brought through enough young players to put pressure on a few guys older who haven't delivered. So there's a whole uh, ecosystem of things that need to change here before I'd be too worried about standing at a quarterfinal going jeepers, they've done it to us again. But I certainly think with Joe on board, I would be a wee bit nervous about where, the, where if I was Irish, yeah. about where the All Blacks could end up. Oh, we are, we are. And I, so Owen makes the point that, you know, a week is a long time in sport. Like this, the, the famously, the front page editorial, has the mood completely changed as a result of this? Or are people still very sceptical amongst the rugby public I'm talking about here? Uh, look, I think there will be an element of scepticism. There's an element of thinking that the that the New Zealand board, uh, you know, had, were were kind of committed to going down one path, and that was making change. And then they've been persuaded on one one game. So look, there's there's a huge risk in doing that. I don't think everyone's suddenly turned around and gone, absolutely, Ian Foster's the right guy, but. There was enough in that performance at Ellis Park, and bringing Joe in and giving him an elevated role has, uh, and, and the way that the players have defended their coach has—they've all conspired to make everyone think. Oh, um, it was a fifty-fifty call at best about whether you should keep him or not. And look, the, the reaction from the public: there's, there's many, probably the majority feel the board's made the wrong call. They've been persuaded or seduced by one result. And there's maybe a wee bit of a growing minority who are thinking, well, okay, he, they've shown enough to, to, to earn the right to reprieve. Um, and, um, you know, they're clearly going to back these guys all the way through the World Cup. So we should just probably get on with supporting them a wee bit now. When the front page editorial gets printed, um, or do they go to the back of the paper? Do they go to the sports section and say, listen, Gregor, give us a hand with this? Is this the right thing to do? Or, or how does that dynamic work when the, the front page go, go all in on a, on a sports story? Well, how it worked was I was in South Africa and somebody texted it to me and I went, oh, jeepers, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, I had no idea that was happening. and thought, well, it'll be a fun morning tomorrow when I bump into Fozzie. But, you know, look, uh, it, it probably captured the mood of the nation. And to be honest, I don't think it was gratuitous. I know there's been a bit of pushback. People saying the New Zealand media have been vicious. Categorically, do not believe that's true. I think we've been analytical. I think when you lose five out of six test matches, four of which you don't remotely look like you're going to win, and you're the All Blacks, um, I think you've got to be realistic about the amount of pressure you're going to come under as a team. So, look, uh, there was no issue for me about that editorial. I thought it was fair and probably indicative of how the public were feeling. But we're now in a place where (laughs) they've retained them um, and look, until we see some more evidence of of this kind of evolution or even revolution of the All Blacks, I think we're right to be a wee bit sceptical about where they're going. One last question. Uh, Scott Robertson in all this is a, an interested party watching on going, OK, all right, that's fine. I, I see what you've done there, lads. Um, you know, if I was the RFU, for example, I'd be like, uh, we have an opening after the World Cup. We, we would really love you to come and you know, just, just talk to us about it. You don't know, Come see our facilities. That's all. Well, you know, check check the weather out. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'd be surprised if they haven't already formed him. Uh, look, he's clearly a coach of incredible potential. He's his record at Super Rugby is, is unbelievable. Six consecutive titles. No one's ever done anything remotely like that. He's a clever guy. He's creative. He's innovative. Like him and um, Ronan Agara would probably, uh, if I was an international team right now, of it doesn't matter who it would be. If you if you've got any aspiration, I would be getting on the phone and raise there and saying, "What do you think, big guy? Do you fancy coming over here? We've got quite a lot of money to throw at you, and you can have whoever you want in your coaching team. And um, you just go and get them. We'll support you all the way." And I think England might be quite tempted by what he could bring for them. Would New Zealand feel like they've missed out if that was to happen? Uh, well, yeah, they will, because the danger here is that he, he's now he's now basically being told through default that the, the New Zealand rugby are going to back Foster and Schmidt all the way through to the World Cup. And then we don't know what happened after that. They'll probably do their usual, or we'll have a process after the World Cup. By which point, look, Razor, if he's going to go and work for another team, he'll probably be tapped up in the next wee while, won't he? Like yeah. Somebody will want him lock, locked in before before the World Cup kicks off because that's how the real world works. So the reality is New Zealand will almost certainly lose him and we'll get to the end of the World Cup and who knows what will happen at that, but we'll have no ability to get hold of Scott Robertson because he'll probably already have signed with England, Scotland, Ireland, whoever he's going to go with. He'll be gone, and then you'd be oh, cheaper. It would have been quite nice if he'd stayed, but that's a luxury that's just that's just not available to them at the moment. Yeah, we tied Andy Farrell down for another couple of years, so I I expect Andy uh, Farrell well, to, good. you know, and um, but like, uh, it's it's a high wire act. If, if Ireland were to fail calamitously at the World Cup, then you know Andy Farrell would have to carry the can for that, and the next two years would be recovery. But it doesn't look like that's going to happen, and. Um, you know, fingers crossed from our perspective it doesn't but you can see if you were England you would be getting the best coach in the world at the moment they've said that they want an English guy but like all of a sudden he's available in a way that he wasn't and actually I can see if I'm Scott Robertson what, what's happened with Joe Schmidt you'd be like well he's decided he wants to be a coach now and either way whatever happens in the next year the natural thing for the New Zealand Rugby Football Union to do is to go well maybe it's, maybe it's Joe's turn maybe he gets an opportunity now so They've certainly muddied the waters, but um, Gregor, Gregor, always great to have you with us. Thanks a million. My pleasure. Thanks, guys. OTB AM. With Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.